Well, listen, guys, we've been, as you know, in a, uh, in a series called Dangerous Faith. Dun, dun, dun. And I asked the question a couple of weeks ago, who wants to be dangerous? Man, well done, Simon. I like it. Uh, I had a few weird stares. And then I asked the question, does hell know your name? To which you all thought I was loopy. But uh, you've obviously listened because there was a few yeses in the room. Now, why would I ask you that question? Well, of course, it goes back to that story in Acts where, um, you know, the apostles are casting out demons just as Jesus had done. And, and some uh, Jewish priests thought they'd give that a go and, and use the name of Jesus that Paul used. And they had a go. And uh, all of a sudden, the demon inside the guy says, listen, Jesus, I know. Paul, I've heard of. But who on earth are you? And then he goes and pounces on him. So uh, quite a gruesome story. But the point being is, does hell know your name? Are you dangerous to the enemy? Hands up if you want to be dangerous. Amen. And we looked at what that means. It means extending God's kingdom. It means healing the sick. It means deliverance ministry. And I, and I gave some examples of that. It means bringing God's peace to wherever we are, his justice and his compassion. It means saving the lost because this ship is sinking and we need to get people on the lifeboat of Jesus. Amen. And so I asked the question, are you up for that? And I got lots of yeses. And then I looked at, right, well, that requires a dangerous kind of faith, not the kind of prosperity gospel faith that's pushed around um, in today's age. Uh, you know, I said to you, I did a bit of a search on faith on Amazon and Google, and the majority of stuff that comes up is more akin to self-help and live your best life and you can have it all perfect. But that's not the kind of faith that I read about in the Word of God. I mean, yes, God wants us to have a blessed life, but didn't Jesus himself say you will have trials and tribulations? This name it, claim it gospel is so prevalent. And, you know, as a pastor, listen, 20 years, no, 10 years ago, the pastor had to worry about what you're watching on God TV. Now I've got to worry about what you're watching on YouTube and Instagram and all that stuff because there's so much garbage out there. It's very attractive. You know, it says in Timothy that in the end time, people will be drawn to things that tickle their ears. In other words, things that they want to hear. But you see, the word of God is actually offensive. <gasps> Whoa, did he say offensive? The message of the gospel is good news, but it's rather offensive. And we're going to look at that this morning and what I mean by that. And before I look at that, I gave you seven statements around the contrast between that kind of name it, claim it faith and the dangerous faith that we read about, and the dangerous faith we need to walk in if we're going to walk, extend God's kingdom. Here's the seven statements as way of a reminder. Number one, dangerous faith will cost you, not enrich you. Number two, dangerous faith seeks to serve and save others, not ourselves. Dangerous faith sees the invisible, not rely on the visible. Four, dangerous faith seeks to bring glory to God, not build a name for ourselves. Number five, dangerous faith requires courage, not the path of least resistance. Number six, dangerous faith is utterly dependent on God, not independent from God. And number seven, dangerous faith seeks a better home, not this one. Well, I can't wait to preach on that one in a few weeks' time. That's exciting. And if you like, for those who know the word polemic, Polemic means it's a, a, it got some nodding heads, a, a written or a verbal attack on a position. This is a polemic against the prosperity gospel, if you're wondering what that is. And so how do I back those statements up? Well, I'm glad you asked me the question because I've got the word of God in front of me. And that's what we're all going to turn to. I'm going to do that by going to Luke 14. And uh, last week I was supposed to do this talk, but of course with the passing of 
Um, the late Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, we devoted, uh, as we rightly should have done, time to pay tribute to her and to pray for her and the family and the nation. And so I gave you a taster of this, and I want to just go back to this, and let's dive into the word. Um, it is Luke 14, 25 to 33. It will be on the screen behind me, and if you're at home or whatever device you're looking at, it will be on that as well. And it's titled in my Bible, The Cost of Discipleship. And it says this, Now great crowds accompanying him, who's him, Jesus, and Jesus turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to, begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him with who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks them for peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Whoa, that is heavy going, isn't it? Let me ask you a question. Who wants to be dangerous to the enemy? So those of you who put your hand up, are you sure? Really? Let's try again. Who wants to have dangerous faith? Really? I like this. This is fun. Because here's the truth of it. You're going to have to die. You know, can I just say something about Jesus? He's, a, he's obviously amazing. But Jesus has the amazing ability to speak truth in love in such abundant measure that you, it's almost like, you, you know, you just get a little bit of a slap and, oh, I love that. Thank you. Why do I say that? Listen, I've been meditating on this the past week, just the first verse. Listen to this. Now, great crowds accompanied him. And then he turned and said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife, and et cetera, et cetera. What on earth is that about? This is what it's about. There is a difference between being part of the crowd of Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus. Are you hearing me? There is a difference between being part of the crowd of Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus. Where are you at? Are you part of the crowd? Or you want to be a disciple of Jesus and walk in the same faith that Jesus modeled for us? Because fundamentally, that's what it comes down to. Fundamentally, we have to make a decision. You know, it says in the scriptures, where is it? Um, I want to say Matthew 7. Small is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few find it. You know, there's another account. I think it's in, let's have a look. John 6. Um, I'm going off piste here, so you have to forgive me. Yeah, there's, a, there's this amazing teaching that Jesus gives in John 6. Um, and he talks about that he is the only way. He is the bread of life. And... Um, it says this on 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? And it goes on to say down there that many left at that point. 
Listen, I want to tell you in love as your pastor that you can't just be on the crowd on the outside. If you want to walk with Jesus, you're going to have to count the cost. And only you can make that decision. I can tell you about it. Holy Spirit will convict you in that, but you've got a part to play. That's why Jesus says, pick up your own cross. What? I thought the gospel message, Mark, was that Jesus was on the cross so that I could have a great life. You've missed the gospel message, friends. The gospel message is Jesus died on the cross, took your sins, and he gave us him, his righteousness to us. And in order to walk in that, we need to pick up our own cross and die to ourselves. That's the gospel message. But we don't like to talk about the second bit, even though it's replacing, what's that word? It's throughout the word. It begins with R and I can't say it. Let me look at another, another verse, John 12, 24 to 26. I said it requires death. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Don't be a crowd. Be a follower of Jesus. And where I am, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Hands up if you want to be honored by the Father. Right. You see, new life in Jesus can only come through death. Now, that's true for a salvation event. You know, when we are saved, we say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Would you forgive me? I, I, I make a choice to die to that old self and be arisen in Christ as a new creation. But it doesn't end there. We go, oh, that's done. That was wonderful. That wasn't too painful. The hard work starts because small is the gate, but narrow is the way. What does that mean? It carries on. How many Christians have I met? Well, I've done that bit. I died to myself, and it's rather lovely. Now, Lord, how can I have a great life, Father Christmas? You know, some cosmic Santa Claus in the sky, you know. You know, the degree to which you die to yourself is the degree to which you walk in dangerous faith. We get into the nub of it. Who loves this, eh? Oh, yeah, come on. The degree to which you die to yourself is the degree to which you walk in dangerous faith. It's so true. If you don't want to stay in the crowd, but you want to become a follower and a disciple of Jesus, then you're going to have to make a choice as to whether you die to self. Now, in this scripture, let's just dive in uh, and look at these three points that Jesus gives. Because within this text, there are three areas we need to die to. Number one, it says this, die to others. Hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters. Now, what does that mean? It do you need to understand the Hebrew word that was used, um, sorry, the, the Greek word that was used for hate and the context that this was talking about. It doesn't mean hate. Of course, it said in the scriptures, to honor your, your mother and father, that all may go well with you. It's in the Ten Commandments. What it means is, is that you need to love Jesus more. You need to prefer him and be obedient to him over and above those around you. Do you get this? So please don't leave this place and start hating your mother and father and your brothers and sisters. Well, my pastor told me it's okay. No, I did not say that. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I recall, um, you know, as many of you know my story, Stephanie's story, I was in the business world for well over 20 years or so in the tech space. I had founded business and exited successfully and then started another business. And always in parallel to that, I had an opportunity to be part of the ministry as a, as a worship leader and, and indeed in this church as a trustee and, and you know, many other things. Um, but it was very clear, and I knew this since I was a kid, actually, the call of ministry on my life, that it would come at some point. Um, and, and I remember 
Our founding pastors, Chris and Fliss, will retire, and this is over four, well, they announced it to the trustees maybe six, seven years ago. And we went on a process of trustees to find a, a, new, a senior pastor, and we couldn't find anybody. And everyone started to say, Mark, you do realize it's you, don't you? And I started saying to myself, Mark, you do realize it's you, don't you? Uh, that's what we call the call within and without, you know. Um, and at the time, I had founded and started a brand new business that was going very successful. We were, we were raising capital. And I, the Lord gave me this picture of the father and myself in a playground. And essentially on the floor were all these climbing frame apparatus that I was kind of picking up and building. And essentially, that's what I do in business. I build businesses. And there came a point where the, the father was watching me in delight and sitting on the bench. And he gets up and says, come on, let's go. And in that moment, I just thought, yeah, okay. It wasn't finished. But I remember in the picture, I put it down and I walked out with the father. And for me, that was of many things a confirmation that you've got to leave that. Now, my business associates and those that had known me as Mark, the successful businessman, were like, Mark, what on earth are you doing? You're about to raise capital, you've got success. And there were even people in the wider family that thought I was peculiar and odd. But you see, we've got to be careful not to have what we call fear of man. Because I could have missed out on this privilege, and it is, to serve you all if I had listened to other people and not God. I had to die to others, others' opinions, my so-called reputation, what other people thought, and I don't want to offend them, and I don't want to blah, 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 blah. I don't want people to let people down. But you see, when Jesus speaks, if you want to be dangerous to the enemy and go and pray for someone, and someone says, don't do that. You, they're going to laugh at you. You say, well, no, but Jesus told me. That's the kind of dying to others that is required to be dangerous for the enemy. Are you willing to die to others? You know, maybe you're in a particular situation where you've got family members, maybe even parents or siblings saying, you shouldn't go to that church, or you shouldn't be a Christian, or you know what, forget it. You know, I know you're waiting to be married, you know, and all that stuff, celibacy, that's crazy. All of those things, and, and there's this pull, but you say, you know what, I'm, I'm, no, I love Jesus more, I'm going to follow him. And so my question and challenge, and this is just coming straight out of God's word, by the way, because who knows the word is a mirror into our lives. Are you dying to others? It's going to take courage. It's going to take boldness. But in that place where you die in that, new life comes. Number two, it says, die to self. Here we go. And even his own life, whoever, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What does that mean? It means dying to your rights, your so-called rights, your dreams, your desires, even your, your sense of entitlement, your, your future even. It means dying to your time and your energy and giving it up for him. Why? Because dangerous faith seeks to serve and save others, not ourselves. That was the, that was the second polemic, wasn't it? Let me give you some amazing examples of dangerous faith in this building. Yvonne Tomlins does an amazing job working the care centre with our families. Can we just give Yvonne a hand? <clears throat> you know... Yvonne, I don't embarrass you, but she's a dangerous woman. Hell certainly knows her name. And over the course of summer, her and the refuel team uh, and many of you in the uniform shop have been dangerous to, go, uh, to the enemy's kingdom this year. Well done. Let me give you some stats. We served over 132 families with school uniforms. Do you know that? 
we gave away over a thousand, uh, I want to get this right, 1,600 school uniform items this year. Do you know that? That's dangerous. Oh, that's dangerous. Refuel session. What's refuel? That's where in the summer holidays and other holidays where families can't afford to feed their kids because they're not in the school context, we put on food, we serve them. Yvonne and the team serve and sacrifice. And we served over 370 this summer, about 1,000 for the whole year. Now, do you think they skipped into, into the church every morning? Ah, this is, I can't wait, I'm loving this. Or do you think there were moments like, Lord, I'm tired. I don't want to do this, if I'm honest. I'd rather be doing something else. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to die to that. I'm going to die to myself in this moment. Why? Truly, I truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. If you want to be dangerous, friends, you're going to have to recognize you're going to have to die to yourself, just as Jesus modeled for us. I want to give you a practical way in which you can respond to this. We have just amazing teams here, and many of you are part of that, and I want to say thank you and bless you. You know, we have Ventureland, where we serve our five to 10-year-olds. We, have, we had almost 100 kids there last week. But do you know we're short on team? We need 15 more people to do this well. Now, there's, prob- there's hundreds of you in here, and many of you online. This could be an opportunity for you to die to yourself and to serve others so that you can bear much fruit. If you want to do that, and and I'm going to just rely on, I'm not going to bash you over the head, quite frankly. I'm not going to come around with a clipboard, tempted though I am. But you can email Mana, who heads up our Ventureland team, and Mana at the Vineyard Church. You know, this is not an issue of we need people to do something. It's an issue of discipleship. This is a place where we learn how to be a disciple of Jesus. If we can't do it here as a church family, how can we do it out there? The work here is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Servant invention and is equipping you. Who wants to do that? Don't put your hands up, it's fine. The cameras are all on you right now. Camera people, get, get your faces. But seriously, like, do you hear my heart on this? Do you understand the opportunity you've got? There are many teams throughout the church Maybe the tech team, work on the cameras or serve someone in the blender. There are many opportunities for you to say yes to Jesus. I want to be dangerous. Because I tell you something, boy, the blow we're hitting to the enemy's kingdom in Ventureland, my word. Sowing those seeds, watering those plants so that these are not kids, not men and women of the future church, but kids of today's church. We had a family service a few weeks ago. They were praying for you adults. Wow. Why? Because Marna and the team want to be dangerous. But what? They're dying to themselves. And I'm glad that we can afford you that opportunity. To. Love, number three, before I bring this plane to land, hopefully without any bumps. Um, number three, it says this. <laughs> any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Oh, my word, Lord. Really? Everything die to our possessions. That is number three. You know, you are not an owner of your possessions. You are a steward of your possessions for God. Can I just say that one more time? You are not an owner of your possessions. You are a steward of those possessions for God, for the master. When you understand that, the way you use your possessions is a bit like this. Master, how would you like me to use your possessions today? To be dangerous to the enemy. You know that little boy? (laughs) Fish and the loaves. 
Can you imagine what would happen if he was like, nah, these are mine. This is all I got, and I am hungry. I don't care you're all hungry. These are my possessions. I worked flipping hard for this. Do you know how many weeks' pocket money I saved up to buy these fish and loaves? Who knows if they had pocket money in those days? Likely not, but you get the point. Imagine if he didn't go, well, these are yours, so sure, do with it as you wish. What kind of impact could we have to the enemy's kingdom if we looked at our possessions in that way, if we opened up our home to people and showed hospitality, or we actually gave our tithes and our offerings to the work of the Lord? Imagine what that would look like. Imagine. I don't think I need to say any more on this. I, I reckon the Holy Spirit is convicting you as well as me, by the way. Hey, I don't get up this scot-free. I only preach to you what the Lord's been saying to me about my life. I'm not some model of perfection. Sorry to disappoint you. (laughs) What I am is a model of someone that's as broken as we all are, but seeking Jesus and saying, please, Lord. Okay, what time is it? Wonderful. Those are three things. Die to others. Die to self. Die to our possessions. Let me ask you again, who wants to be dangerous? Okay. Who wants to die? What a weird question. Yeah. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We're new creations in Christ Jesus. When I say die to ourselves, I mean die to that flesh those sinful desires, those things that seek to satisfy my flesh, gratify my flesh, not satisfy my soul. Listen, there's a better way. I'm going to invite the band up. I want to, I want to end with this story of uh, this, this wonderful lady in the Bible because there is another element of dying to yourself that we need to recognize in extending God's kingdom, and that is this, that we bring God glory The enemy hates it when we bring God glory and we worship him. Let me read this wonderful story. It's found in Matthew 26, 6 to 13. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Now listen to this most stunning of lines. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Man, I want to get to heaven. eh? You're the mark. We've been talking about what you did for Jesus. Who wants that? Please, Jesus, give me those opportunities. You know, I'm grateful for the tough times because it gives me an opportunity to die to self. That might sound crazy, but it gives me an opportunity to praise him and give him a sacrifice of praise. There's a reason it says sacrifice of praise. Why? Because it will cost you something. Listen, folks, when we get to heaven, we will praise him for all eternity and it will be beautiful, but we will no longer have the opportunity to show him how much we love him when the going gets tough. That opportunity is gone. Don't waste this opportunity. 
because there is something beautiful as perfume, as we pour it out on Jesus, as we praise him when it's difficult, as we count the cost to be dangerous. Let's stand as I pray. Thank you, Jesus.